It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Final Furlong Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Great to have your company for a bonus Final Furlong Podcast as I bring you interviews with two big-name guests, trainer Owen Burroughs and jockey Jack Mitchell, both men who've got big chances of victory on Saturday. I spoke to both of them on Racing Live on TalkSport 2. You can listen to the show Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and sometimes Saturdays from 1 p.m. on TalkSport 2. Come along. We have a lot of fun on the show. Lucy Russell Hughes and myself. Lucy Russell Hughes, Declan Ricks, Tony McCormick and myself were on air today. We had a lot of fun. Come along and join us next week for live coverage of Glorious Goodwood. But if you missed that, let's get you the interviews from both men. Owen Burroughs will talk to us about his leading King George contender, Hookham. And he's got two other very exciting chances, including a top two-year-old running at Ascot and the exciting four-year-old Alifa running in the Skybet York Stakes, a race we talked about in depth with John and Stephen on yesterday's Final Furlong podcast, previewing the weekend's betting. The lads were very keen on my Prospero. Spoiler alert. I was very keen on Johnny Murcher's Mashore, but Owen Burroughs sounds pretty hopeful about Alifa and Jack Mitchell will have a big chance of victory in this race as well with his Royal Ascot winner Royal Champion and he sounds pretty bullish as we welcome Jack Mitchell to the Final Furlong Podcast. How are you? I'm in good form, thank God. I want to dig into something with you straight away, if you don't mind, and that is the favorite topic of every jockey who comes on this show, the whip rules. <laughs> in, in, case, in case you're not aware, my position, and I think that 
of the majority of my colleagues on Racing Live on TalkSport 2 is that jockeys are being incredibly harshly treated by these rules. I think we all accept that something has to be done to improve the optics or the aesthetic of the sport, but it could be done better. It could be done in a fair way and not treat jockeys who are not committing welfare breaches like they've committed a war crime. So how have you adjusted to the new whip rules and how do you feel they are going for you and your colleagues? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we had to do something um, with the growing interest in the whip. Um, But, I mean, I've uh, I've always been pretty good with with numbers-wise, even though I'm not very good at maths, I can count. (laughs) Like Um, myself. (laughs) Uh, I just think uh, there's a few things that there's still a lot of going on behind the scenes of tweaking the rules and there's just a few um, a few discrepancies if anything sort of you know there's a there's there's quite a thing at the minute with the time to respond which um, Mm. you're supposed to allow your mount three strides which is absolutely fine you know not a lot of people fall foul of it now but it was uh, it was a big thing when we started because you know we've all been riding the same and you know even if you don't go over the limit you know if you, if you just sort of get your horse to roll start rolling it's um it was a good and effective way of doing it i, I was guilty of it i used to do it all the time and obviously adapting to that style of not doing it now is kind of uh, again probably counting helps but then you're trying to you're trying to think of winning the race at the same time so it's taken a bit of adjusting and like I said, the, the rules are being tweaked as we speak. How important is it that the rules are tweaked though? Because I, I know that the, the PGA, there's sort of a civil war going on there and I, I would definitely, I said it last year, I, I don't really understand why the PGA only sent one letter on behalf of every single jockey that they represent uh, in response to the whip rules being announced. I'm sure they engaged more heavily afterwards, but things weren't handled well on both sides. Uh, and the fact is that we're into July, so these rules have been in place for a while now, and yet they're having to be tweaked again. So how important is it in your mind that they are tweaked and that whatever changes are made, they have to be the right ones? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's, we've got a lot of senior jockeys. Um, you know, like to, you know, Ryan Moore's quite quite to the fore of this whole, this whole topic, and he's actually been most of the voice for us. Um, it's a bit of a case, you know. I know that the rules are there and they're they're in black and white, but you know, you go you go to other jurisdictions. Some of them are less. So, like for instance, Germany's three three strikes behind the saddle, which you know, the whips don't. They're pathetic. The whips we use now, but it's still the rules. But um, you know, Germany's three, France is four, um, and and we're six. So. I think I think every jockey has done really, really well to adapt to, to, to what the new rules are. Um, I mean, the the only thing I would say at the minute is the rules that are in place are you know there to be followed. Whatever it's going to be day to day racing, set up a grade, and you know you're into your heritage handicaps and your good races. He's having fun. Really thought about hopefully getting changed because financially it's it, it damaging, really. Um, I, I, I was I fell foul of it a couple of months ago. I was in a group two, I was head to head Frankie Vittori in the finish, and I went one flick over um, and got beat. It's not that anything could get me very far, but I had a 
had a group of owners in the in the paddock that you know it was their pride and joy. She 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 ran a massive race. I'm trying to win the race for them and myself, obviously. Um, and you know, and, and okay, I did break the rules, but I didn't think I deserved eight days. It wasn't dangerous. Yeah. You know, nobody got hurt. I didn't put the horse in danger. I was just trying to do my job for for a lot of people who pay. You know, it's not it's not cheap to have a horse these days, especially you know with um, everything going up in price. It's, it's, it's not cheap, so I think that's one of the main things we're trying to to get done. Well, I mean, to just put it into civilian um, a civilian comparison for us, if if the British authorities were to bring in a drastic rule change for drivers that you absolutely had to follow every single day. And if you didn't, you would be suspended from driving for eight days, two weeks, a month. How many of us would fall foul of it? I think we all would. We all would, yeah. We've all been set in our ways and done the same thing for so long. And that's driving a machine. You're on a horse that has a mind of its own at speed in a competitive event where you must obtain the best possible finishing position or you breach those rules as well. And it's the competitive nature of fighting Frankie Dettori, Ryan Moore, uh, and everybody else. It's you have to think of it in that regard as well. And I think there there are some things I, I would agree with you. Something does have to be done for the modern era and the aesthetic of the sport. But you have to have logic about implementing these things as well, and and you have to be fair about it too. And uh, a number yeah. a number of your colleagues' ability to earn a living is being drastically impacted by this. Uh, and I think for, for that reason, it's on us in the media uh, and for the fans to put pressure on the authorities to say, hey, all right, you want to make changes? Great, but let's be fair about it. Yeah, and like, go, sort of going back to being fair, like, we all have to ride with the whip rules. And, you know, I, I think the whip rules are fine. Um, like I said, the only one I'm, I'm a bit sort of put out about at the minute is the, is the double penalty because... You know, I, I had eight days suspension where I couldn't ride. I could ride out in the mornings, obviously, but I couldn't ride. I've got um, a mortgage. I've got three kids. You know, I've got a, a car to pay for. I've got everything else to pay for. And I'm not allowed to earn. And I'm not allowed to earn because I'm trying to win and, and do my job properly. Which, of course, is, is a huge aspect of it. You mentioned the fact that you've got three kids, um, but you're a jockey, which can be quite a selfish job. Um, so from your perspective, uh, now that you're a family man and that you've got three kids, how has that changed your perspective on race riding, on life? Has, has fatherhood influenced your approach to the sport? Massively, yeah. Massively. It is a selfish sport, and I'm not there very often. Um, you know, those, those eight days are actually quite nice to spend with them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they... Um, yeah, they've got a bit used to me being around, so it's quite hard to leave on the first day back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I I love it because my my older lad, he's nine now, and you know he understands. He's got you know he's got a phone, and he has the race post app one day. He checks where I am and stuff, so it, it, it's really good. And you're going to be riding at Ascot today and York tomorrow, but your dedication to riding at smaller meetings has proven really successful, and you've got a an incredible strike rate. How do you approach those races differently from bigger ones, and what is the key to your consistency? Um, I think the ammunition, really, getting getting on the right horses at the right meetings. I've got a very good agent who, um, Steve Croft, he, uh, he studies form, he watches 
watches racing constantly, so he's always looking at an angle, you know, for horse that maybe I've ridden for that trainer. It runs somewhere sort of left field, and he thinks, well, we can actually try and go there and ride a winner there, and then we can build up a card, and then we might be able to get in with that trainer or that owner. And, um, it's all a bit of a chess game, really, but the smaller meetings, when the big ones are on, are quite key to picking up um, picking up on numbers. And you faced some significant challenges uh, throughout your career, and you've been very open about them. You did a great interview with the Racing Post last year, which I, I found really intriguing at the time. I reread it yesterday in preparation for this as well. Um, but how have your experiences shaped you as a jockey, and, and what have you learned in overcoming them? Um, I think well, something I've always sworn by and has helped me through is just to keep your head down and, and keep working, because... I, I love what I do. I've always always wanted to be a jockey. Um, you know, I've got now I've got people that rely on me. So all you can do is just keep your head down and keep keep working. That's good advice. That's good advice for everybody. Um, today on Talksport Two, you're going to be riding Blaze on Five for Roger Teal. You've got a 16% strike rate when you team up with them. Uh, she's got a, a decent enough chance today, I think. Yeah, look, she's got uh, she's got course form. Um, she shouldn't mind the ground at all. Um, Roger, Roger's horses are running running well. Um, I've known Roger a long time. He was assistant to my dad um, all those years ago when dad was training. So, uh, you know, we've got a good good relationship, good working relationship as well. Um, and this 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 mare, yes, yeah, she if she comes in good form, um, it's it's a, a bit of a warmer race than what she won. And tomorrow you're going to be riding your Royal Ascot winner, Royal Champion, who was really, really good in the Wolverton Stakes. Um, beat the horse I backed that day, Paul Ballet. So thanks for that, Jack. But, but congratulations <laughs> on that success. Uh, it was a great ride. It was a really good performance. It was a big step up from his comeback at Chester in the Huxley Stakes, where he probably found the ground against him. How do you feel about his uh, prospects tomorrow going up against my Prospero in the Skybet York Stakes? Yeah, look, it's um, Royal Ascot's very hard to win at anyway, so, you know, it was a, it was a huge performance from him. Um, the Huxley Stakes, yeah, he just got a bit tired. First run of the year, horrible tacky ground. Um, but he, he bounced back. Uh, you know, tomorrow, it, it's a trappy little race. It's very, very small but competitive. Um, could could turn out quite tactical, but you know if he shows the shows the turn of foot that he did at Ascot, I, I hope he'd be chasing them home anyway. How do you think he'll cope with York? Yeah, absolutely. He's um he's, he's a rhythm horse. You know, he likes to he likes to get into rhythm, get relaxed early, and then you just have to wake him up um, when you need him. And you know, he, he showed a good turn of foot at Ascot, and, and uh, um. I have a feeling that race is going to be an upset. Uh, I, was, I was previewing it yesterday and I was trying to be convinced by my two pundits that uh, my Prospero was a good thing and just don't, don't overthink it, don't complicate your mind that he was going to go and win. And the more I look at that race, the, the more I think your horse, Royal Champion, and Johnny Murch's horse, Mashur, are going to run massive races. I, Mashur definitely needs to step up 
on his official rating. But the more I look at your fella, I, I think he's got a, a really serious chance. Yeah, and he's bouncing at home. He looks great. Um, he's, he's moving well. He's feeling great. Um, you know, this, this, like I said, it's a competitive race. Obviously, Mike Prospero, we, we're giving him five pounds of level weight. So, um, I think the other horse is quite interesting is the, the Shadwell horse, the Bowen Burris. Out of, yeah. out of failure. After a long break, but... Um, I will be talking to Owen Burroughs on Racing Live on Talks for Two in a matter of minutes, so I will ask him specifically um, about that oh, horse. Get that information. And I can relay that Jack Mitchell wants to know about this, this horse he's taking <laughs> on tomorrow, Owen. What can you tell us? Um, is, is there any horse from your career so far that holds a really special place in your heart? I mean, an obvious one would be would be Royal Champion. He, uh, my first, my first uh, Royal Ascot winner. Uh, there's a filly there. She, she's retired now. Uh, a filly that I always really look forward to, to riding, and she gave me some good days over the last couple of years. It was Double or Bubble for Chris Wall. You had a big win on her at, at Newmarket, didn't you? She, yeah, she she won the uh, the Avenant, and then she won the. Uh, the race at oh good was another group three she um, she was a real star and um, she's under the breeding shed now so hopefully uh, hopefully you might see her, her progeny on the, the track in a couple of years I was going to say hopefully you'll be on board her progeny very soon there's supreme stakes I'm being told supreme stakes that's the one I'd love to tell you that's my work and that, that just came to me <laughs> off the top of my head well, my producer did a little bit of research there and got it up on the Racing Post site. Um, Jack, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you on Racing Love on TalkSport 2. I hope we get to talk to you again before the end of the season. Best of luck today at Ascot and at York tomorrow as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Jack. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Great to hear from Jack Mitchell. It's my first time interviewing him. It's also my first time interviewing this man, a trainer who's got three major chances of victory over the weekend with Alifa at York, an exciting two-year-old at Ascot. But the big one, of course, is Hookham in the King George. Trainer Owen Burrows, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Uh, and great to have your company, particularly at such a busy time for you. We were talking to William Muir yesterday, who's going to be your great rival on the track tomorrow. Um, it's great to get to talk to you about uh, Hookham's prospects in the King George tomorrow. He's obviously been a, an absolute stable star for you, but in some ways, it's a blessing that he's even still racing because the injury he picked up after the Coronation Cup could have been curtains. Um, it must have meant a lot to you that he's back and thriving. No, exactly. He, uh, you know, I owe this horse a heck of a lot. Uh, he was my first Royal Ascot winner, uh, first Group One winner. You know, we travelled into Dubai last year as well, and, and he won first time up there. So, uh, yeah, he's, obviously his injury was was serious enough, but it wasn't, uh, you know, a career-ending injury. It was just where he was in his in his you know career as such that we thought that that you know might be him off to stud, you know. Um, but you know, 
credit to Sheikh Ahissa and uh, you know Sheikh Hamdan's family that they've given me another chance with him and and you know obviously what he did at Sandown was very very pleasing um, and you know looking forward to tomorrow you know massively it's it's going to be a huge day and given the fact that he is going to be an appealing stallion so he does have a second career ahead of him. It must have been an incredibly sporting decision for Sheikh Hissa to give him the time uh, and and give you the time to get him back on the race course, and for him to then do what he did in Sandown and the Brigadier Gerard, which, with all due respect, over a trip that is probably short of his best, to beat the Derby winner Desert Crown and beat him fair and square, you must have been delighted with that. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, as I say, it's a, a very very sporting decision by her. Um, and you know the team back at Shadwell did a great job rehabbing him, and you know he come he come back into me quite a while before we ran him. So, you know there was never any pressure or or time frame that we had to be you know ready by a certain race. Um, so yeah, what he did then at, at Sandown, which as you touched on, you know was a, probably a fraction shorter than his ideal trip. But interestingly, this year for whatever reason, he's shown a little bit more speed in his work. Uh, whether or not you know he's a year older now um, and is has reached sort of full full strength. Um, but yeah, as, as we touched on there, he's you know. He's, he's in good form, um, and I'm, you know, can't wait to run him. I'll be honest. And you've given him plenty of time to recover from that race, because I suppose one of the fears would be the bounce factor. But sixty-five days between races should be plenty of time. What is he showing you at home in the build-up to the big race? Look, he, you know, he's just working as well as ever. But obviously, he was due to run at Royal Ascot, and we took him out on the Saturday so that he missed the Hardwick just because of the fast ground and. It, you know, as I touched on at the time, he, he'd go on fast ground. Um, it's it's just that we felt this was always going to be our main summer target, the King George. And, you know, we'd be honest, we've been very lucky that we've had a wet couple of weeks and we're talking, you know, a going description with soft in it, which by rights in the end of July, we shouldn't be talking about that. But with, with our British summer time, it, you've always got a small chance. <laughs> Um, and uh, look, that that has come in our favour. Uh, but as I say, Jim has been in and ridden him a couple of bits of work, and uh, you know we're we're very pleased with where he is. His work's as good as ever. Um, he's moving well, and you know as I say, conditions are going to be in his in his favour, and it's now down to him as such if he see if he's good enough. Yeah, the frustration for other trainers is not something that you're feeling in terms of the ground. The official going at, at Ascot, as we're uh, live on the air, is is soft, which is very much in, in your favour, or at least something that he will definitely, we know he's going to handle. Whether or not August Roden really wants that, he did it in the, in the futurity, but they walked the track endlessly before letting him run. Um, William Muir expressed concerns, although he is confident about Piledriver, and Looking at the official ratings, Piledriver is, is the best horse officially in the race on a mark of one two four, which must give you a lot of positivity because you beat him fair and square in the Coronation Cup the last time you met him. Yeah, exactly. Look, he, you know, he's been a wonderful horse, Piledriver. He, you know, he always turns up. Uh, and, you know, I've looked through the form uh, quite vigorously now the last sort of few days and you know, he, he's won with cutting the ground. Emily Upjohn's won him with cutting the ground. King of Steel won his, you know, maiden last year with, you know, soft. Obviously, Aiden's horse won the Doncaster race on heavy. 
you know what what you're hoping is that we will just handle it that bit better than than anything else you know um obviously it's the first time the three-year-olds are taking on the older horses and and you know you're just looking for small little angles that you can perhaps just you know pinch a pinch an advantage and i'm hoping that's that's a small small area and as you touched on one two four pile driver we're one two two i think augustus roden is one two three you know there's there's not a lot between them all you know so it, it's hence why it's such a such an exciting race we didn't even mention luxembourg and he's on one two two as well it's a deep race yeah exactly you know you it's it's easy to forget and he's a group one winner already and you know looked as if he was ready to step up to a mile and a half so you know that's that's where it's it's just one of these crazy races that there's out of the 11 i think six seven of all one group ones you know which is which is what this race should really be you know it's probably the last few years been a little bit on the small size field wise um but tomorrow it certainly isn't yeah it it is the midsummer highlight and i think middle distance racing is very important for the breeding industry but for the sport as well we love these type of horses we want to see them succeed but you're absolutely right this race had fallen a little bit um this is terrific it's an epic renewal and as such i'm sure you're confident uh, about your horse but you can't be overly bullish given the strength and depth of the rivals against you no yeah i wouldn't say confident i would always say hopeful um because as you say it's such a such a good race that you know we can just go in there and hope that we've got our fella in in the form of his life and you know conditions are going to help us um but yeah as i say i can't be confident i'm just going in very hopeful uh, the last year between last season and this season has been pretty remarkable for your career and you've done that with a smaller string than normal but you've had an outstanding strike rate you've been banging in uh, two winners from six runners recently as well how have you managed to achieve such success despite the downsizing of your operation uh so obviously you know with the sad uh, death of Sheikh Hamdan, you know, the Shadwell operation as a whole sort of was was cut back, um, which obviously affected uh, me personally massively, um, you know, but we've obviously very grateful to Sheikh Ahissa and, and Sheikh Ahmed as well, who've been big supporters. Um, and, you know, we, we were obviously playing with a reduced size in string but you know we we were kept with a fair bit of quality and you know last year was a was an incredible year you know we well yeah numerous we had two group one winners and group twos group threes it was you know an amazing year and you know credit to my team at home as well because you know they they've they've had a tough tough time and um you know they they they're working hard and you know it, it's all down to them that this season is is uh you know we've we've had Anne Matt win a group 1 and obviously getting Huckham back was huge and you know we're just starting to roll now with a few nice 2 year olds um and as we touched on it it's it's a huge weekend for us because uh you know we've got Huckham obviously but it's great to get Alf Layla back he's in a group 2 at York sort of half an hour or so before the King George and then I run what I hope is a nice two-year-old in the race after the King George uh, Tasker as well in a listed race. So, you know, it, it, it's it's great um, great to have that sort of level of quality in a in a reasonably small yard. And that two-year-old Alianabi looks to have a really bright future on the basis of his debut win. How are you feeling about his prospects tomorrow? So he, you know, obviously 
won nicely at Salisbury and his work had been nice at home and we felt he, he was a horse with a with a decent level of ability. Um he's he's quite a big horse and he's he's still filling that frame, strengthening up all the time. So uh his work has pleased me since Salisbury. We've just given him you know, we've not rushed him back onto the track. Uh so he's another one. Obviously his action gives me a bit of confidence to handle cutting the ground. Uh it was pretty quick at Salisbury when he ran. Um but yeah, if he handles the ground, then I would expect, uh, you know, well, I'd like to think that it'd be a good showing from him. Yeah, it's a race that Charlie Appleby has done well in uh, over the years. But I, I thought your horse had a, a really nice debut, and if he can build on that, uh, he'd be very, very intriguing. What have you made of of Too Darn Hot as a sire? What have you made of his progeny so far? So look, he's the only one I've got. Um, but uh, yeah, they've they've done pretty well, haven't they? Um, I know, sort of breeze up time. I was up nearly all the breeze up sales and you know the the guys were were very uh complimentary about him so yeah as i say he he's he's the only one i've got so um yeah i i like what i've seen so far and another exciting prospect tomorrow is al flayla uh, who you're going to run in york and jack mitchell who i interviewed uh, earlier on in racing live was at pains to find out more about this horse because he's taking you on tomorrow uh, and he was, he was <laughs> highlighting you as a, as a real danger um so on behalf of jack mitchell and all of us listening uh how has he been um this is his first run of the season uh, how are you feeling about his run tomorrow so you know this was a horse who went up through the ranks last year you know we've we all, again always felt he he was a decent horse and look i'll be honest i was probably running him over the wrong trip you know he, he won first time up at over six as a two-year-old and uh i ran him then in the jersey over seven and he, he's just got this habit of being a little bit slow out of the stalls but he, he's he can just latch on a little bit and run a bit keen and obviously over seven he wasn't able to to do that and get back into the race so we've stepped him up so he won a listed race at pontifract over a mile we then stepped up to sort of a mile and one for the the york strensel and yeah, I'll be honest, two furlongs down, he looked like he was in trouble. But, for, you know, he, he seems to just take a while to pick up and then he hits top stride. And, you know, he, he's very strong at the end of these mile and one races. He's a mile and a quarter tomorrow, a furlong further. But, you know, run style wise, he, he should be fine. Um, obviously, he's coming back off uh, off an injury, which he picked up in Bahrain in the early November last year. He was due to run in their big race out there and, and literally three days before picked up an injury. So another one who has rehabbed back at Shadwell, done a great job with him. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's, again, been in with me for plenty of time, been no rush preparing him. It's all gone smoothly and yeah look I, you know obviously Jack's horse was a nice winner at Royal Ascot you know William Haggis's horse is the favourite and probably for me is the one to beat you know he's been running in sort of group ones um, and you know running very well so look I, you know I, I'll be honest I'll just hope my lad goes out and you know runs a good solid race and we can look forward you know for the rest of the season with him. Have you thought much about what his next target would be? I know he's got an entry in the Jumpmont International. Yeah, you know, obviously, look, if he went and won, then we would seriously have to consider York. Um, you know, Shadwell have Mostadaf, obviously, who was a hugely impressive winner at Royal Ascot, I think, going for that as well. But, um, 
you know there, there's there's not too many races for this type of horse so you know if he if he won and or even if he ran very well and you know possibly just got a little bit tired uh you know it'd be a conversation i'd have with angus and richard and, and shaker here soon and see see what we do you know um but my initial thoughts is let's get tomorrow out of the way first and, and see where we are that's Alf Leila, who we'll see in the Skybet York Stakes tomorrow. And to bring it back uh, to the big gun, to hook him in the King George, have you thought much about where you're going to go next with him as, as the season unfolds? So, again, as we touched on, the, you know, the big summer target was the King George. And then, you know, the big end of season target is, is the arc, you know. Um, because, again, we should be pretty confident of getting soft ground there. Um whether or not we give him a prep run before that, we'll we'll probably have a discussion. But these were the two races we we wanted to to aim him for. Um, yeah, you know, Hardwick was sort of in the plans on the way that didn't materialise. Um, so look, yeah, we'll we'll get the King George out of the way tomorrow, and then his ultimate aim will be the Arc, sort of at the beginning of October. So uh, yeah, with maybe a prep run in between, we'll see. Three big chances tomorrow, Own. We're looking forward to covering it on Racing Live on TalkSport 2. Very best of luck to you. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you again before the end of the season. That would be nice, yeah. I look forward to it. If we are talking to you again, it means you're in the winner's enclosure, so that's even better. <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah, I hope we are. Yeah. <laughs> Owen, take care. Best of luck for the Thanks weekend. Thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. A huge thanks to Owen Burrows and to Jack Mitchell for their time and insight and best to look to them over the weekend. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Final Furlong Podcast, bringing you two interviews from Racing Live on TalkSport 2. Again, you can join us Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays from 1pm and we're covering all of Glorious Goodwoods. So we're on air Tuesday next week as well. Final Furlong Podcast returns on Monday. Louis Stewart and Dennis O'Regan alongside me as we look back on the King George at Ascot and preview Glorious Goodwood and Galway. Until then, look after yourself and each other. God bless.